Apparently, like Whoa. I. Apparently, it's kind of like a win for you, isn't it? I know. It's a weird thing, right? <laughs> Apparently, these guys are like really important to them, though, so it is a bummer. No, of course. It's because that's the whole thing that we talked about with, uh, do I sound a little, maybe is that just in my ears? Do I what? sound a little low to you? I don't think I, it doesn't look low on there, so we'll no, just go I by that. No, you're good. All right. No, yeah. but that's the thing, man, and that's why the Cochrane stuff was so crazy to me is that is a, <laughs> the position. Like, that is the most impactful position to the... Actual boots on the ground players. Yeah, and a bit, like obviously, I, it's I use to the scale. Like they're not going to pay people that much, but apparently they made like crazy exceptions for those two guys. Like that they just lost. Like yeah. they were paying them like like an IUDC. Like yeah. they were like getting made. So, well, if anything, that means it's going to be easier to replace <coughs> them because all right, you just lost them to Bama, and now you've proven you're willing to pay. So like maybe it'll be easy. Yeah. All right. Uh, welcome in. This is the Hold That Podcast podcast. Uh, if you missed us last week. <laughs> Probably should have been better about communicating that we were off. That's on me. Uh, but we were off last week. Brody was, what was it Mardi Gras last week? Was that last well, week? Well, it was ha- it was half we missed because of Mardi Gras, half we missed because then I went to India immediately. Yeah. So like, yeah. we would have pushed back, but it was like, I'm double out. But I'm saying, is that what was Mardi Gras yeah. just last week? Yeah, last Tuesday. Whoa, weird. It's been a little bit of a time warp for your boy here. Um, Did you miss me? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, What'd yeah, you do? Uh, What'd you do last happen. week? I. I, I went to a couple of parades with Alice in Baton Rouge. I did the Baton Rouge parades nice. for the first How time. How was it? That was very fun. Did South Downs Friday night, which is like very family fun atmosphere, and then yeah. uh, dove into some Spanish Town Saturday, which I is know. more raucous. But I, I had I the setup. I had a uh, one of my buddies' offices is right there on the route, so like bathroom, food, drinks. Uh, a little gated in area for the kids to run around. It was incredible. Alice got smoked. You in the gate face. your kids, huh? Uh, yes, like yes. animals. Al- <laughs> no, no. Like I was in the gate too. Like, like there's a fence to stop like them animals. from running in front of a float. Uh, I got but, you. Right. but but I mean, she's on my shoulders Livestock. most time until she caught her first beats to the face. So it's uh, a learning yeah. experience. Yep. How'd you handle she, it? She, she, uh, she I almost there? said she popped her cherry, but that is my daughter. And but then now, you said it. You said it anyway. And now I feel disgusting. We literally just had a conversation. <laughs> and I hate like, all of this. I want to be clear. Like five minutes before the show, we're like, yeah, we're moving <laughs> to the athletics soon. Like, do we got to tone this stuff in? How are we going to handle this? And then three minutes in, hey, I want to. I don't even want to say it out loud. I don't want to. I want to be clear to our listeners. Okay, we're going to be authentic. Us. Yeah, that we're going to be authentic. Okay, and if my brain makes some poor taste jokes sometimes. Well, we're just going to push right through that. Tiger got out of the cage. Uh, so, Wait, so how'd you handle it? Not, not to belabor things. She was just great to cry for a little bit. She was fine. She had fun. She loves yeah. the parades. It gave me a new appreciation of parades, too. Because I'd become a bit cynical with parades where, like, as an adult, I mean, like, the first yes. couple times you do it, it's fun. And then you care less and less and less. Now, again, I was like, oh, I want this throw because, like, Alice loves it. Yeah. And it's like, and it, it turns out kids are bead magnets cute little kid on your shoulders you just get inundated i saw one guy who was sitting on a lawn chair like 20 yards back from the parade uh in new orleans and like on toth and he's just sitting there with this kid just like chilling he's not even trying but he just kind of waves his arm really (laughs) casually and a guy throws it 20 yards to him like on the dot i'm like first off good throw second off wow that connection was cool I'm like, yeah. There's nothing better than making eye contact with someone. It's like, you, me. And yeah. yeah, and then they throw it to you, and you catch it, and you, like, point back at him, and they, like, give you the thumbs up. It's like, yeah, man, you're you're my guy. I did I did my first real New Orleans Mardi Gras, like, like start to finish Mardi oh, Gras this true? year. Yeah. How was it? It's fantastic. Yeah. I, I made sure, like, throughout the whole, like, few weeks, like, to get, like, a cornucopia of Mardi Gras, different experiences. Like, so I had my more kid-oriented family ones. On, yeah. Like, for Toth, that's kind of what we did. But then, you know, I didn't make – I was – Planning on trying to do it all. I wanted to do New Orleans like Wednesday through Friday, do Muses on Thursday, like come back Friday, Spanish Town Saturday, then book it back for like maybe Endymion or something. <coughs> you okay, buddy? I don't know, bro. Every cough now <laughs> looks say? a little suspect in this day and age. Every <laughs> time I see somebody sneeze, I'm like, hey, did you This is our COVID? last episode of Hold you, That Podcast. You got yeah. COVID? I am flying with this weekend. I'm going to a bachelor party in Cabo. That sounds And fun. I'm flying with a kid. Who, uh, one of my best friends who just got back from Vietnam and was on Korean air. Saw some shit. <laughs> and he just, no, he didn't see anything. I mean, he has no reason to think that anything's wrong with him. Uh, but uh, work sent him home for the week, uh, for, for like the next two weeks. They just sent him home. Leave. Uh, but we are flying out Thursday to go do his bachelor party. <laughs> Otherwise, we're going to ban him from the trip, but we can't. Because it's his bachelor party. Uh, sorry, I interrupt you though. So, so, oh, so, you're fine. So, how was Endymion? <laughs> Well, and Timmy was a little uh, much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. So, like, Claire was very much like, 
I'm not going to Endymion. Not yes. a shot. Yeah. It's a very broy parade. And I'm, but she's like, I want you to just like figure out what you like in Mardi Gras and figure it out, and then you can play it by your next year. I went. I had a good time. I was with a good crew. I was with you know like the Chris Branches of the world and whatnot. Like, Chris Branch looks like he owned Mardi Gras. <laughs> he did Twitter. well. He had a good one. Yeah, yeah. With His Luke Johnson, Jesus all that. Costume them. was spectacular. I had a great time with that crew, but Endymion as a whole, maybe not my vibe. So a little broy, a little I, too I, much. I, I always went to uh, I went to the Endymion Ball for ten years. Straight, That's awesome. That's different. That was awesome. That's a different That's thing. Way different. Yeah. Way different. It's awesome. Uh, but uh, I think my highlight. Muses was good, but Muses was also well. I shouldn't say that. Muses was obviously thrown off because of everything that happened Wednesday. So then it was, and then the weather on Thursday pushed it to Friday. Which one did somebody die in Muse? I know somebody no, died in Dimian. No, but someone died in Knicks. Yeah, and then then because of the weather on Thursday, like I think everyone was just like extra scared, so they pushed Muses and all of that back to Friday and did like a double day, mm. and it meant Muses was just like speed round. Mm. So I didn't get enjoy it, but I meant the Friday parades was great in Uptown, and then the Toth on Sunday. So what'd you do on a fat a Tuesday? So did you see my costume? Uh, I did not. I'm pulling up some pics for you as I talk. But yeah, uh, yeah I mean, basically starting the bywater and just worked our way like through the Maroney down to the okay, quarter and just kind of okay. walked and drank some White Claws with a bit, nice little cooler backpack. I'm and- completely off White Claws. <laughs> I've well, now I need love, a long brick. I've fallen in love with the Friday Beers meme account, and I know that we're supposed to be cynical and not care about meme accounts nowadays, but I love it. But I love it, and they're just all about drinking beers. So I'm, I'm completely off white claws again. So yeah, I'm showing him my costume now. Basically, we were going for. <laughs> oh, also the shoes light up, but you can't see it in the picture. This is fantastic. <laughs> what we were going for was Barry Gibb talk show meets Elton John. So these are customs. This is not even a specific. Oh call out no, to no, 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 no. We ma- we basically just bought some generic Amazon white '70s like disco suits and then just. Decorated the. Oh, Jesus. y'all look y'all look fantastic. Thank you, man. Y'all look fantastic. The light up shoes aren't in there, which is a bummer. But well, it seems like uh, I'm not a crafter. I hate crafting. Like I, even back in school, I was like, screw this. From for, look at you now. From Indiana, from Pennsylvania, from uh, Saskatchewan, from uh, Manitoba, from Wachahatsee, and all the way down yeah, here. Yeah, all those. Yeah, to New Orleans, and now I'm uh, doing it. And now look at you. You're a real New Orleanian. I am a true five o foe. That's, you know, that's what they call me. Uh, so that was your Mardi Gras recap. And yeah, that's thanks for real. listening. Yeah. yeah, thank you for listening. Now we can talk some LSU football because spring ball is right around the corner. Um, I figure today we'll maybe we, we did a bit of this on my show this morning. We also talked to O this morning, but we'll run through a little offensive de- defensive let's, depth chart. Let's as do one it, man. Does, let's go crazy as one does. Uh, also, Brody has a fun little ditty, a fun little uh, project there. About, about some of the financial impact, not in the way that you're thinking. <laughs> Of the twenty twenty <laughs> or the twenty nineteen well, football team, but I, but I mean, like when I f- first read the headline, I was thinking it was going to be like, oh, these were the amount of advertising dollars generated uh, by like yeah, headline wasn't great. Like, well, I mean, I, I don't mean like that. I don't mean like that. No, it's I, okay, big guy. I didn't write okay. that line. Oh, okay, yeah, we're calling yes. out my editor, editor guy. Um, please don't, please <laughs> yeah. keep us on the. Upload. He's a great guy, Jason. Yeah, uh, please keep us. Uh, but 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 what the article actually is is like the amount of money that individuals earned basically ha- with this season. Like, how would you pitch it? You yeah, basically just like has there ever been a team in college football history where from top to bottom, I shouldn't say bottom, but has anyone ever cashed in on a season more? Yeah, and just like from the coaches who got better jobs to the coaches who got raises to the GAs who suddenly got major jobs to the players who went from like a seventh round pick to a first round pick making thirty million, like. I've just and I asked around like I was, it kind of just came up over drinks at the combine in Indianapolis and it was just like people kept talking about like, man the guys like, did well at the combine everyone the did well at the combine really well. they were talking about the coaching stuff and it was just like man can you ever think of a team where just like everyone got a better opportunity after it so it's it just wild. basically became like how much like has there ever been a team that just cashed in this much and the like we did the math and it's all estimates like Baylor for example we're not going to get real like accurate money yeah. and stuff like that but I mean we basically came to the realization. From t- they might have made between all these people between thirteen players and coaches they might have made one hundred twenty three million more dollars. That's crazy. I mean, and you look. Oh, went from being like the fortieth or twenty fourth, whatever he was, highest paid coach to now, he's in the top two. Uh, you think about a guy like Justin Jefferson, who what was his draft stock entering the season? Fifth, was there six? Yeah, That's was the there? Thing. Like, I, like there kind of maybe even wasn't a draft stock. And now <laughs> he, was, after, he was a definite stay in school. You would think. Yeah. Now after his combine performance, he. Looks like he's going to go in the first round. Like all the smoke on the street, all the mock drafts have him going somewhere. I mean, if I'm the Saints at 24 and he's around, then somebody that they have to seriously, that they would uh, even seriously look at. So 
You're absolutely right. And, and now what? You've had eight <laughs> analysts hired away. I think you see. I think I think he got bumped up to eight. Uh, it's with the quite DJ, a few. Maybe with the DJ Mangus, Mangus, uh, Roy Anderson went to the Vikings. Maybe it was eight coaches. <laughs> maybe not just analysts. Yeah, I was gonna say eight doesn't sound right with analysts, but yeah, no, a lot. I mean, you lost lost as a quote unquote with the with Tommy Robinson, but basically you're replacing yeah. three on field coaches. Um, you're replacing at least John DeCosta as one of your top GAs. Who was your tight ends coach and all? He was your tight ends coach, yeah. and then that's four, and then you got. Mangus Anderson, analyst Munoz, analyst Dennis Johnson, analyst. That's eight already, and I want to say there's. It's not, it can't be. Oh, Blaine, Blaine is a Gautier. Mm, yes, yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. <laughs> Blaine Gautier. Yeah, absolutely. I just never know how to pronounce his last name. Yeah, uh, maybe it's Gautier. I don't know. Either way, <laughs> yeah, so no, I think we're at nine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's not even get lost in weeds. The point is, I was interested in it. You're replacing a ton, and uh, and and it's because everybody, like Brody said, struck while the iron was hot and took. Full advantage. It just shows to me what also stands out when you throw that total number, 133 million out there, and you look at everybody that used uh, their relationship with this team, like they use this on their resumes, and then they'll get these better jobs. Doesn't it just go back to like, man, what an impact one person can have? And I'm not saying that Joe Burrow did it all himself, but but <laughs> the further we get from this season, the more impossibly large his shoes begin to look. Like it's just, these receivers aren't where they are if that happens. Yeah. Joe Brady's not what he is if that happens. Shoot, Shit, man, the analysts, can, anybody, exactly, anybody. Like, would anybody be trying to hire, you know, a DJ Mengus or something like that? No, that's what I'm like, saying. No, dude. I know. I know. Fifteen and zero, fifteen and zero. Natty's a sixty touchdowns, all that madness. So, for the last time, as we move into spring, shout out Joe, Joey B. Shout out Burrow. Shout out the Tigers. The question is, my question for you is, who do you think? gain the most now if you're going just literal dollar figures the answer is joe burrow and there's no doubt he went from probably being like fifth round pick you know three million total yeah. value contract but only like 500 that's guaranteed anyway 500,000 to 36 million so yeah he's probably the biggest financial winner but if you're going by like things like scale and all that yeah is joe brady the biggest winner brady maybe maybe so because the money like Combined, not the, maybe the gross money, but the fact that he's making 400k to now two million. It's like 50k so, to 400k yes. to two, yeah, yeah. The, so to two million. Yeah, really increasing his original original pay like 20 fold. <laughs> yeah, I guess like I'm looping that in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, and the, but the but he also the importance of two years ago you're just a quality control assistant and now you're an NFL offensive coordinator. Like the, all those are massive. I and, and there's there's an argument to be made in that question for O, uh, simply because. Yeah, he didn't have job security, as you pointed out in the article. Not only was he underpaid, but you could have easily fired him after 2020. If you had wanted to, the buyout would have been negligible. Um, also, it was such a contentious hire yes. that he had no security really among the fan base. It was so polarizing. And now, even when Les Miles won a national championship, maybe it's because he lost two games along the way. Maybe it's because yeah. he never resonated with the locals. But even after winning the Natty, he still had about like a 50% approval rate. Like it was yeah. still very much on the fence about him. It doesn't feel that way at all with him. Like you'll, you'll catch the occasional extreme voice like, oh, we got to see. I mean, this was just one year. Can he prove it? But like, no, most people are like, this is our guy. We're happy. And so now he has job security from the from the higher-ups, people that matter, the administration. But then he also has massive job security among the fan base. And there's a yeah. belief there that – Every coach desperately chases, and it's so hard to attain. And yet, when you have this meteoric season, like that's how you get it. No, I think you're right. I think he might be the biggest winner, and I think it's a good case because, like, even with the NFL, like you could the if you're ter- if Joe Burrow's terrible, he can get cut. But like yeah. Ed Ogeron, like you said, in the in the cultural <laughs> scheme of things, and just every sense of the word, I mean, like he has the most security of anybody. Well, and like so. Is buyout juice up to? I think it's up to twenty-seven million now. Okay, yeah, that's, exactly. and it doesn't even go below ten until I think twenty twenty-four. Exactly, and it's never even been ten before. You know what I mean? Like it's literally yeah. never been ten, and now it won't even be that until twenty twenty-four, and it will go down to like eight. So like, yeah, I mean, he has all the security in the world, plus cult figure now. Like he's gonna have a statue. He's gonna be yeah. a god here, no matter what happens. Like, you I think a, you think you get a statue right now. I think Burrow gets a statue. Burrow has right a now. statue, no yes. matter what. I think that you're right. I don't think it's I a think given. O would have to. Uh, it's just, I, 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 I just uh, think the reason O might more than Saban or Miles or anyone like that, even with 
like even if he because as of now he's accomplished the same amount. He's them, right? still the legend. He's still the legend. Exactly. He's still the the boy literally from Cutoff, Louisiana, from Bayou Lafourche, yeah. who has led the Tigers to maybe the greatest single season in college football history. Like absolutely, that's I just, the only reason. We just have such a weird bar with coaches because, like I said, a when, lot as of the talk, sh- probably should be. Well, that's true. They're so highly paid. I'm not going to feel bad for the guys. Um, <laughs> just but, walking around all day in retirement, never got a statue. <laughs> yeah, I but yeah, we'll we'll. So, okay, so this all leads into the next part of the conversation. Let's do it, buddy. Which is 2020. Because, as we said, there are those extreme voices that are like, I'm not sure about oh yeah, we got to wait. Now, obviously, nobody's there. But this is a big year for kind of measuring where is the program at collectively. Yes. You had this great coming together of all these disparate elements into this perfect gumbo. <laughs> yeah, a little writing tip for you there. Ooh. Last year. And um, perfect gumbo. Last year, and now you're you're. This is like a a check of like, okay, you lost all of this. If you can still go out there and be good this year, then the program's in a hell of a spot, and you're moving in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, no one's gonna say this year's important or anything like that, but there is that thing of you don't have you, to win a natty this year. You don't, but, but you, but there, you can't go eight and five. Exactly. If you if you do take a step back, suddenly unfairly I'll say like you'll get looped in with your 2010 Auburns or whatnot yes. like you'll <laughs> you will like that's just and you're gonna lose a little bit of that capital that you've gained your capital right now is the highest it will ever 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 be yeah so you really need to kind of cash in on it and that that's the only reason why the recruiting class was like even remotely criticizing the right word but kind of like well I don't you know it's like because it's like you're never gonna have more capital than you have right now so it's kind of a disappointment for some people that like you didn't get some of those guys down the stretch. You didn't like get top three. That's not a criticism on my end. Five's a great class in the country. Yeah, know? no, I mean, we're, just, we're in agreement on it, that. It's so important to capitalize when you're the hottest you'll ever be. So it's like you really need a great 2021 quarterback. I think that's essential. You know, things like that. So this year has a lot of severity in that sense that you need to keep, you need to prove to quarterbacks, receivers, recruits in the future, coaches that you can still keep an offense going without Joe Burrow. You need to prove to your fan base that that wasn't just a perfect storm. You are actually the. Like we said, he has. Just so you'll have like a modern offense. Yeah, that, like it's like really a modern for. offense that that'll that'll <laughs> score like key well, that you can still spread it out. And, and it's O's it first DC hire. Yeah, which, which is interesting little things though, like that because you know? there is way less pressure on Pelini no, than, than Insminger and uh, than than Insminger and Scott Linehan. Like they're they're, they're under little. the microscope. Um, Pelini's playing with house house money. Yeah, massive yeah. contract. No one's worried about the defense. And 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 then and then you know there's. It, all of this just speaks to man. I I've been thinking a lot about Miles Brandon lately, and he's just in a hell of a spot. He's in a hell of a spot. He, if if, if you just if you're listening out there, take a second and really try to put yourself in him his shoes. And you know you're 21 years old. He just turned 21. 21 years old. You're having to replace a guy who we just said is going to get a statue built for him, yeah. guaranteed. A guy who broke every record. He's just he's he's a he's a living legend in every sense of the word, and that's the guy you have to follow up, and you have to follow it up with an O line that's going to be replacing three people, including New Center. And by all accounts, I've heard that Brennan has done great. Like, I mean, he killed fourth quarter apparently, yeah. leading the pack, everything else. Like, he's doing all the right things. I just, from a human standpoint, find it very easy to empathize. And I don't know if it's because of the anxiety that I felt back in the day, and that was just like playing O line, which is the ultimate kind of hidden in the shuffle type of uh, position. But I just I, I find it pretty hard to fathom trying to process all that at that age and deal with that amount of pressure. Yeah, I mean, there's really very little precedent for what he has to do right yeah. now. And the thing we always say on the show is like, and we're probably a broken record with this, but like, I assume that Miles Brandon will have will break every single record that existed before 2019. <laughs> I've never, like I've I, never thought about that, but yeah, I, I can think see he that. probably I will. I think that. he'll have <laughs> the best passing season before 2019 that's ever happened at LSU. Yeah. It's the second best ever, basically. But it will look so, it will be, like I like to view things sometimes. I know it's a weird thing, but I actually think it's kind of helpful. It's like try to view people in like video game ratings, like yeah. a, like a Madden rating, because yes. I think that's sometimes important. That like I think Joe Burrow was a what a ninety eight, ninety nine. If like you're if you're making yes. NCAA football without a doubt. 99. He was a 99. Yeah. He, like, like you would, like if, if they did NCAA Ultimate Team, there would have been a Joe Burrow card released after the championship <laughs> where he was a 99 because of that final four game yes. run where he was just, 
murderous. And my 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 Miles Brennan prediction is that he's probably going to be like an eighty eight. Yeah, that's Which good. Really good. That's really good. It's just like this weird thing. So you just have to view it through that thing. But guess what? Your receivers are going to be ninety nines and ninety fours, and your tight end might be like a ninety. Like all those things. Like the it's about the whole. Miles Brennan's going to be pretty good. Wait, so did you not even realize <laughs> that you're doing a podcast with the highest rated LSU player on NCAA twenty twelve? No, I didn't. Yeah, 93, bro. Check it. Beat Tyron Matthew in 2012. In 2012 on the 2011 You were the highest? Team. I was the highest. Matthew rated wasn't player. a big name yet, so that nope. adds up. Yeah. yeah. But, like, yeah. there's some big names on that team. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, hey, look, like, Ruben Randall, get the fuck out of here. Also, this guy. I'm going to do a story where I go back first talk to the they talk, <laughs> talk to the guy who did the ratings and is like how much how much T-Bob film are you really watching? Oh, no, you just saw no. he was experienced. You just saw he was veteran. And you're like ah, like Aver. Oh, that's Bobby Harris kid. Oh, he started a couple years. Yeah, hell yeah, ninety three. Do you think the NCAA thing. football evaluator was like yeah. Bobby Aver's kid? I I I think that football circles are very incestuous. And you would be shocked the right. amount that everybody who has anything to do with football knows everybody else. Like when I watch XFL with my dad, he has like every he knows every single coach. Now, admittedly, a bunch of old coaches. Uh, I don't know, not ninety three though. He, he didn't he he hadn't really played up to that point. Okay, I probably not very highly rated. I guess there, it was a breakout year for a lot of people, right? Yes. yes. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. So who was like the big was defensive star going into the year? I mean, Brockers ended up Brockers, being the guy, yeah, maybe, yeah. but he wasn't the guy he going into the yeah. year. Uh, I mean, Tyron, Tyron, really, but he wasn't the guy going into wow. the year. Yeah, yeah, bro. Mo Claiborne. Like you've told like, me, there's this so many. There's I'm so many good everywhere. NFL players on that team. Too. I love it. Oh, nobody. You've told me this before, but I don't think it ever like really sunk in how nonsensical this is. Hey, that's history. No, that's kind of hurtful, but no one can ever take it from <laughs> yeah. me. Yeah, bro. Yeah, you're really going, you're really diving in on you this. You could have just said it's surprising. Uh, nonsensical is maybe a little just, too far. I didn't like your your pass block. That's all. <laughs> well, wow, that's too real. Because yeah. I was bad at pass blocking, okay? It's where I struggled. I got these tiny, little, the dark. Got these tiny little arms, and sometimes I would lean over my toes. It's very hard. Pass yeah. blocking's very hard. I was a great pass blocker, but it's okay. Um, I, I was wondering this, now that we're under Actually, the athletic my, my banner. my pull step was really the best. But. Are we the most athletic podcast on The Athletic? That's a good question. Um, okay, let's go through it. Andy Staples obviously has a history. I know we would smash Duncan But you Holder. would beat Staples. Yeah, we. I would beat Staples right now. Um, Duncan Holder, done for. I'm trying to think of like the big college football ones. You know, I mean, I mean Feldman and Stewart we're, we're are beating, getting us, We're beating bro. Bruce and Stu. <laughs> uh, there's the Clemson one with Nicole Auerbach and Grace Rayner. They can hold their yeah. own probably. Um, Matt Fortuna and Pete Sampson do Notre Dame. I think they're in good shape. Oh, when I met Matt, he looked like he was in great shape for sure. <laughs> yeah, I think Matt's in good shape. Uh, we got the Ohio State guys, but they're huge. Ari, Ari Wasserman and Bill Landis, they're big guys. How big? Target 300? Like, they're both probably bigger than you, yeah. Oh, whoa. Okay, I'm a little intimidated. Now. I don't know about their athleticism and Jeez, agility. Jeez, corn-fed dudes. Midwest guys. Man. Midwest guys. Actually, one of them's Philly, but not a big deal. Um, um, but we're up there for sure. Yeah, so we're the most athletic podcast. And let's dive into I this. I appreciate you looping me in with that yeah. because I don't what? bring no, to the No, no, but hey, come on now. You were, you were quite the little athlete back Three in the day. Three and a half day. sacks, but we're not. Yeah. Who's counting? I mean, who's counting? I'm not counting. Don't take that half sack. All county me. javelin. But seriously, who keeps yelling Wait, that? for real? <laughs> oh, did I do it again? Did I get parasite mommed again? No, no. Oh, real. okay, this is no. real. So yeah, basically, like I was a baseball, like you know, my brother was all American pitcher, all that. Like, yes, I was yes. a baseball player. But then once I quit, I had like the football coaches make you do something in the spring. I'm sure you're the same. So like they made me do track, and I just like picked up a javelin. I'm like, I guess like I threw. Let's do that. And I was just like, and just they were like, accidentally Whoa. really good. good. Like I do not have the frame of a javelin thrower. <laughs> I'm five nine and a half at best. Yeah, all county. Not, not the big well, big you must be very disappointed that COVID is going to take out the 2020 Olympics. Mm. Very disappointed. Okay, that's not what we're here to talk about, though. So, yeah, wow. Back to spring Thanks football. Thanks for listening. Uh-huh. Back to spring football. My main questions. Okay, I got, I got, I got my main questions offensively. Um, first and foremost, who will be center? And yes. we had a very interesting conversation with Coach O today on that subject where – Obviously, Chase and Hines is chief among that group. I know that Charles Turner's in the mix as well. But he went out of his way today to talk about how they have moved Joseph Evans yep. from D-line to O-line and that they're repping him some at center there. And I'm glad we talked so much about your center ability because it's actually yes. the best time to ask you, Thank you. How tough do you think that transition would be? Well, I mean, I think, I think, it's, I think it's very tough. I think that um, Evans was Evans a freshman last year? Yeah, true freshman. True freshman last year. Red shirting. 
I mean, that's a, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big hill to climb. Now, I'm happy so, I'm yeah. happy that they did it during spring as opposed to a couple of years ago where Chase and Hines didn't get to make the switch until camp. So at least he gets – because, like, spring is the time to do But this. Hines has at least, like, played in his life. Like, he was a center for a stretch in high school. Oh, like, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense why he translated to guard so well then. Um, yeah. But, but so it's, it, it's going to be an uphill battle, no doubt. But the coaches know that. Like, they know yes. how tough it is. To throw this 18-year-old in to the other side of the ball, and not just the other side of the ball, but snapping and stepping. Like, snapping is not a natural motion, right? That's not, like, really reminiscent of any uh, anybody else on the O-line. Like, the technique of snapping, stepping, and punching all at the same time. Mentally knowing everything. Making the calls. So it's going to be a lot on Joseph Evans. So I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm expecting Joseph Evans to do anything. Yeah. It's just interesting, not only that they made that switch, but then... The coaches have expectations for him because they went out of the, I, they they went out of their way to 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 put him there and to talk about. It. So he's going to get a fair shot this spring at that position. He seems like he's the body type for it. Like he actually seems like he has kind of like what's let me let me look up Joseph yeah, Evans' size. Here. But I mean, I feel like he's pretty. He's not like massive. You know what I mean? He's got like a yeah. some athleticism to him. And if you can get away with call me crazy, being, but almost like a taller. Lloyd Cushabury type build, just in pure build, not saying anything else. But so this is saying uh, from last year, 6'2", 288. Yeah, that's probably oh, he's only six two. Then yeah. yeah, I think he's he's yeah, that's a great center though. You know, he's six two, six three, three hundred. That's that's kind of your your prototype, if you will. So who's going to play center is of the utmost important for multiple reasons. It's not, just super effective. What's that? Oh no, I was just going to build on that. Yeah, okay, build on it. No, I just I I was going to say. I mean, it seems Hines would probably be the clear front runner. Yes, no doubt. From First off, he has experience playing in games, going back to being an eighteen-year-old true freshman in you know in 2018, played yeah. quite a bit actually. Thrown, it, thrown out there against Marlon Davison, game one. Has a lot of growth. Ojan even said on your show like a month ago, like he really he's the guy who really needs to step up. So I mean, there's no doubt he's a ways to go. But played some center in high school. This isn't completely new to him. Like I think he'd be the heavy front runner. Turner's like you said, Turner's somebody who I think they really like his athletic upside. But I just think he's a ways away. Evans is going to be interesting. Yeah. And the last thing, that is the area that they're looking for a grad transfer. Yes. So, so they, they, they too are well, a one little. Of they're not in love, even if it's not to be the starter. Like they're not in love with their depth or the kind yeah. of the whole setup there. So that's my main. It's actually my main concern. The main thing that I'd be looking at going into spring. That's your main. That is my main. What's o- your main? over the th- over three linebacker spots being open? Yeah. The only reason why is because. I have more LSU has such a track record of replacing these linebackers at okay. such a high level. Yeah. Combined with I have so much faith in their secondary and their D line. And you could flip that actually on the offensive side of the ball where like, yeah, you know, you have all these receivers that look like they're gonna be incredible, so that helps. Yeah. But but you're replacing like on defense, you're not replacing your D line, you're replacing linebackers. On offense, you're replacing a lot of your line and the quarterback right behind him yeah. and the running backs. Are going to be new, so Touché. I just feel like you're you're, you're going to get away with it at linebacker. And, and also, I don't know. I Agreed. heard this. I heard this years ago. Is that um, when a center misses a game, like the only position besides quarterback that moves a gambling line more? Wow. Than a court or no, or most besides the quarterback is center. Huh. Uh, so, like, take it with a grain of salt. I heard that years ago. Um, Really I don't know if that still yeah. holds true or whatever. I always think about the Broncos Super Bowl against Seattle where their center's out, and the first snap he sends it way over, over the head, head. and uh, and it kind of set the tone for the entire game. Well, first off, that's just going to help my gambling knowledge, so thank you. But Yeah, exactly. Do, do, you, do we take the under at LSU this year? Uh, what is the what is the win over under? I don't know. I don't think like I don't think the good ones come out like the respectable lines come out until summer actually. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. It'd be a little. It feels safe to say the line's going to be nine and a half. Uh, I, I think they go or ten nine. and three. I, I've I've been saying I think they go ten and three. But I'm saying I think that's a line. If I'm a handicapper, I bet the line's yeah. nine and a half. No, I agree. And I would so I guess I would take the over to answer that. Wait, wait, that's a cop out answer. So are you saying they go ten and two in the regular season or nine and three in the regular nine season? Nine and three in the regular season. All right, see, great answer. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, no, that's no, I, 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 I don't get this like, uh, this like, uh, not counting the bowl game thing in the wins. When I, when I talk ten wins, but those, I'm talking but those are very different things. No, they are very. It's different very things. different to go nine and three than like you beat Louisville in a bowl game. Like a, like that's a very different way your season's viewed than if you go ten and two. That means you probably won like four top twenty five yeah. games, and then like you lose to a bowl game, and it's like, well, guys, we're out. But then you lost in the bowl game. Yeah, but that. Now, you would know better, but don't you think that's like you're always going to get more benefit the doubt in a bowl game? Like, do you really care about this non New Year's Six game? Do you care? Mm. This guy skipped a bowl. Like, 
this guy doesn't care. Like, I, I think don't he, know. I don't know if I agree. I think somebody with like... a brain would kind of give them the benefit of the doubt. There. <laughs> that wasn't a diss of you. I feel like, uh, as cliche as it is, and as rote and tired as it is, I Let's don't know go. if I used rote correctly. Give me the cliche. Um, what have you done for me lately? That is like how a lot of people feel. Fair. And a, and a bowl game win puts a rosy tint on the offseason, whereas yeah. a bowl game loss, even after a 10-2 year, that means you probably lost a New Year's Six bowl game. That's or you guaranteed you lost a New Year's Six bowl game. Right. Uh, then that's then you know people are going to be angry. They're going to be kind of stamping their feet a little bit. I guess bit. the best example ever is 2017 versus 2018. Yeah, but it went nine and three both years, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Used exactly. Notre Dame, right? and it's nine and four. Oh, enter the season on the quote unquote why, hot and, seat. And, and I was banging was going negative... into that game. I was banging on the like <laughs> this game is important. Like it's yeah. going to color this. It's going to color everything in the off season. And then you go twenty eighteen nine and three, same exact thing. If you lose that game to UCF, whew. Yeah, freak. Oh, not getting that that quick extension. I, no. I'm pretty confident about that. A lot of stuff to, changes. Yeah, ten and three. All of a sudden, momentum's up with LSU. Everything's looking good. Good point. You, you've convinced me. Uh, thank you. Um, that's the end of the podcast because I win. Uh, so hey, everybody have a great say day. what you will about me. It's a rare thing in the podcast game. I always admit when I'm wrong. Uh, that's true. That's true. And I do too. You know that. I, you you know, absolutely I never, do. I've never argued in bad faith anything ever in my entire life. <laughs> but then you admit like a day later and I was in bad faith. Like, so at least it's, it's all right. Self-awareness is key to everything in life. Okay, so my biggest concern is sitter. you say uh, linebacker. I'm not saying I disagree. I was just talking. No, yeah, for sure. But I'm saying that's one of your big concerns. I think you convinced me just in the sense that, like, no, but dive into linebacker. I don't even give a shit about. All right, fine. All right, dive into linebacker. Well, linebacker, yeah, you you're pretty confident Demone Clark's one of them. But all in all, you replacing three linebackers, and you're switching to a 4-3, so it's different anyway a little bit. I like, you know, you have enough options, but it's just like how many guys are really linebackers? You know, like, I don't know what you've heard about Jacoby Stevens lately, but I just don't know. Are they going to try to make him a linebacker? I don't think so. I don't think so. I haven't heard anything either. Yeah, on the show a million times, I was at the Zach Hess example. I don't think he came back to be a linebacker. Yeah. So I don't think him. I don't think Marcel Brooks is a 4-3 linebacker. Just from a, how he plays the game, I don't see that. No, if anything, he'd be the pass rusher. Like I know, but he's not big enough to be a DN. It's just hard, no. yeah. Third down, third down pass <laughs> rusher. Yes, he will probably rush on third downs yes. if they continue what Aranda did there. So then you go, okay, it's kind of wide open. Now, granted, that's another area where I think it's a given. They look for grad transfer out. There was so, a big a big name one just actually went on the market oh. from, uh, from North Dakota State. Um, oh. Let me pull up his name. Yeah, give me that little... One double I got you, I got you, I got you. Overachiever. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Micah Baskerville's obviously Baskerville a name. Baskerville and Damone Clark are Baskerville's the two names always the one the I always seat. say where I don't think Baskerville, like, they're looking at him as, like, an upside guy. That, like, you can trust him. You can put him in a game. Yeah. I don't think they're going to be, like, really psyched about Baskerville. I heard, I heard some whispers that they're pretty high, that Pelini's very high on Baskerville, that, you know, because you got these new eyes kind of looking at... You know, you got you got you got new eyes looking at this team. It's it's a fresh set of eyes on, on, on both sides of the wall. That's so, fair. so guys are being reevaluated, and I've just heard. Well, I, I think that Clark that, that adds up. Yeah, because his the big thing with Pelini Best and all the reporting I've done is that he is going to value more somebody who knows what they're doing, who like will just okay. Do that the makes job. sense. Then. Yeah, he's like if it's a tie, he's going to go to the guy who does that more than the guy who has the physical freak tools. That actually does add up. But sorry, keep going about Clark. Uh, well, no, that was it. I was just saying that I think that Baskerville and Clark are the only two names that I really feel confident in that I think will start. Um, I and I have no idea. I literally have no idea about the depth or even who plays so, that third linebacker position. My my strong prediction will be Josh White. That's my, like, hot take's not the right it's word. He's a freshman. He's the incoming freshman, early enrollee. Josh White is, like, you ask anyone in the program, the recruiting department, anywhere, like, Who's somebody who can really break out this year? And like the first answer I've gotten from like three people is like Josh White. Oh wow, okay. He's he wasn't as highly ranked as Antoine Sampa, who's the other freshman yeah. linebacker coming in, but top one fifty guy, really good athlete. Kind of has that like just traditional like Patrick Queen like just kind of straight line to the ball, takes a perfect angle, makes a big hit. Like just one of those kind of guys. Sounds like early enrollee is probably going to help. He's my hot take guy. I'm, I'm never going to go on and say predict a fre- true freshman. We'll start at linebacker in the SEC, but he would be my pick. It's but, happened. I mean, yeah. Yeah. But I, then you go in the grad transfer route, and I think there's several guys that are looking at. The name I was going to say, just so fans, you know, re- listeners are aware of it, uh, North Dakota State's Jabril Cox is the guy. Uh, Dane Brugler, the Athletics NFL draft analyst. Why are you smiling? Because I love Cox. He's great. Yeah. No, big fan of the Cox. Yeah. Um, he's the best. <laughs> but – yeah, he was saying that uh, Cox was arguably the top small school defensive prospect in the 2021 draft already. And now he's going to be like the top free agent for line, uh, 
Damn. Okay. So okay. And I mean, I have confirmed with LSU people that like they are going to be looking at him. So that's one. I bet there's a long list of names they're looking at. And they have the two spots available because of the twenty three. Three. Oh, they have three spots. They, they signed. Oh, 22. they only signed twenty two. You're right. Okay. My based on what I've heard, I think they'll go one linebacker and maybe two offensive linemen. They might need two. It's so crazy. We really do live in the era of college free agency. I love a it. Bit. I, I like it too. I don't hate it. I, I do. You just have to look at it like it's cool. It's it's roster management. Like that's a cool thing. It's like anything else in life though where when people benefit I buy it, they're going to be psyched and then like the second LSU loses a nice player to the transfer portal. Well, that's the thing. LSU salty. fans are going to be spoiled by this cuz they're very rarely going to be the one getting hurt by this. That's true. And they've already seen huge <laughs> dividends. Yeah, like, uh, people are going to leave ways. LSU to leave for a better school. They'll leave because they're not playing. That's true. That, like, that's a really no, fair yeah. point. While like, at North Dakota State, they're the ones who have reason to be pissed. Uh, okay, uh, other questions that I have. Left tackle, I think Dare Rosenthal. Uh, no? You're not, who, who are you thinking? No, I think Dare Rosenthal is the front runner and the guy they probably like the most there. Yeah. Okay, but you're just not sure. You're not sure about Dare. Okay, uh, so. But, yeah, anyway, uh, you know, he's somebody who missed a few games last year for different things. So I think there's like, I think they like him as their left tackle for sure. They're like, that'd be their first pick. I just wonder. I don't know if there's like 100% confidence in his ability mm. to always be mm. out there. It's like the bachelor. They're not sure if he's here for the right reasons. Some, some it's little. It's just uh, like that. Yeah, exactly. You a bachelor guy? Uh, I started dabbling. Years, I started dabbling. For years, dabbling I was. Year. I'm actually falling out of it now, though. I we're we're like two ships passing in the night here. I kind of like Bachelor yeah. in Paradise still a little bit. But okay, I'm open minded because I just started watching it. Yeah, I will this say this year. They put this girl Claire on the Bachelorette. It is fun. It is fun. And if you're new to it, then yes, then it's especially fun. But they just put this girl Claire, uh huh, not your Claire, on the not Bachelorette, and she's been on the Bachelor and Bachelor Paradise approximately seventy thousand times. She's thirty eight years old, and I think that's going to be pretty interesting because that's way different than anything that they've done recently. Anyway, so uh, Dare Rosenthal, he is your Bachelor. Uh, is Marcus Dumerville though the second string left tackle? Well, I think they like Ja'Cory Savage. Okay. Like, not like an upside. Again, he's an example of probably not upside, but they just really trust him. I think yeah. they like him as a kid. So Ja'Cory Savage is probably in there. But I think Doomerville is probably one of the backups, left or right, right? Yeah. No, no, definitely. It's just, it just shows you your, your depth is a little... Cameron Wire's the other one. Okay. I don't Remember know where Cameron, Cameron Wire's at, so I'm not going to pretend I know more than I do. But Cameron Wire's somebody who, like, he was always looped in with Rosenthal, same class, all that. Both were, like, it's these two huge projects that yeah. were, like... Cause what Rosenthal six seven, but like wire six six and another like freaky athlete type just need to learn the position. So I don't know where he's at, but if he's made some growth in the past year and a half, he's like a candidate. So like the point, the, the, there's a lot of playing time up for grab there, uh, but it does feel like the depth at tackle may be a little tenuous. Yes, um, like the depth at guard though. Uh, well, no, I think you don't think you got a lot of depth at guard. I said okay. you do like the. Oh, I, oh, like, yes. I personally yes. would say I like the depth at guard. Yes, there's and no it, sure things besides Ingram, but right guard is very intriguing. That's probably the most fun competition next to running back of the season. Yeah, because definitely at Ingram starting your left guard. But uh, you had an interesting little note in one of your pieces where uh, you called your shot for Anthony Bradford. Yeah, to definitely. win that right guard spot over Cardell Thomas. Oh yeah, I, I, that's I feel decent. Do you think Cardell Thomas sucks, Brody? Is that is that what you're saying? Uh, no, I just think. No, I'm I, th- I mean I think you've heard the same. I think they're really high on Anthony Bradford. Yeah, I think they really like his athletic ability and his upside and like he's pretty damn tall for guard though, isn't he? About six six. Yeah, but he's a guard. Like, okay, he's body type wise. Like he can play tackle. He obviously did a little bit when they were low on depth last year. Yeah, but I think he's a guard. He obviously he falls in the needs to keep his weight down category. But Cardell Thomas in the same boat there. But thing with Bradford, but I think he, I would definitely feel confident. It's a good problem to have because I think they're both good. So whoever wins, I think it's gonna be a real competition. Yeah, Yeah, I don't want to be too strong about that because I think Thomas is good. Obviously, five star guy, big upside. Just yeah, I I think like they like Bradford's athleticism a little more. And also, Thomas, I know he's theoretically fine. He's gonna be okay for the season. But Thomas did just snap his ankle. Yeah, now Um, he did snap it though. He snapped at a time where he should be a hundred percent by spring. Agreed. But it's a big guy with an ankle injury. No, exactly. And and and. And even more than that, it's like you're an 18 year old trying to learn the college game, and you catch this injury that sets you back months. It's brutal, and yeah. that sucks. Uh, but still, I think you're going to be good at right guard, no matter who yes. wins that job. Texas is going to be fine at right tackle. He's just like a freaking stalwart out there at this point. With how many games Deculus started? Like 30 now at this it's point. Probably in the high 20s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Okay, I got a question for you. Uh, running back, I don't think there's much to say. I think all three are good. I think that he didn't we'll tip just his see hand where this competition goes. No, he's saying all three are starters. Other people I've talked to have saying the same thing. Like they just love all three guys. Right now, they're all three going to play until somebody gets a hot hand. 
or or just separates themselves. Which is kind of a prediction they had going into this season. And then just Clyde exceeded yes, that. Yes, yes. But that exactly. was kind of the plan. Yeah, like it's 2020. We don't really like – the bell cow back era is kind of gone. Yeah. Unless you have a superstar. Which is so – yeah, which is what's so crazy about what Clyde did last year. Yeah. So here's my question. So let's assume that Eric Gilbert is your tight end. Uh, and I'm thinking about 11 personnel here. And I don't know that LSU is going to rely on 11 personnel this year the same way they did last year because maybe they won't. But, but. Uh, if they do – so that's one tight end, one running back, three receivers. So you got Eric Gilbert at tight end. You got Terrace Marshall and Jamar Chase at receiver. You got one of those running backs, one of the three. So who is going to be that all important fifth man? There's so yeah. many options in that receiving core, I feel like. So I'm curious to hear what you think. I, I think I think gun to my head right now, I go Racy McMath. That's what I said. Oh, wow. Interesting. That's what I said this morning on the show as well. I think I think Racy McMath. <laughs> But I think Keishon Butte is probably like, – we haven't seen him. I'm, I'm interested to see how much he can jump in there. He's obviously – well, the thing with him is he probably fits a slot receiver mold more than like a McMath would. Yeah. Maybe we overthink that and we get in our head about what we think a slot receiver is. Maybe that's unfair. But McMath is like a huge, strong as hell he's, – he's fast. Oh, Racy McMath's, <laughs> McMath's probably top five fastest people you on the team. can't be named Racy and not be super fast. Yeah. I mean. He's one of the fastest people on the team. So I don't, but like I think of that position, I think like quickness, all that stuff – Butte might be a better fit there, but I have no idea how ready he's going to be. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and then the other candidate would be Trey Palmer. I mean, there's Trey Palmer. Um, and, I, I mean, these are just more names, but Coy Moore. I've heard good things about Jare Jenkins. Yeah. I, I remember they, when he – remember he had, like, that two-game stretch yeah. where, he, where he looked really good in, like, garbage time? Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. So, I mean, there's th- – that even more so. So, I said, like, I like the competition at right guard and then whoever wins it good. <laughs> whoever wins wide receiver three had to – Really earn that shit. Like yeah. Yeah, they, they had to. They, they, they'll have had beat out some really good players. Um, so we both like we both like Racy McMath. They're going to be really interesting. The point, the overall point that I would take away if I'm listening though, is just that the the receiving weapons. I mean, if yeah. you can protect Miles Brennan, he's going to have some guys to throw it to. And I, I have a point to add to what you're saying. It's like it, I'd almost compare it to the way we talk about Linehan. It's like. Think about the way we viewed the receiver position in 2018. Yeah. Where, like, Justin Jefferson was your number one and he was a no-name. So, yeah. like, you're going to this year and you're kind of viewing your third receiver position battle the same way you were the 2018 number one position <laughs> battle. <laughs> that's a very where it's good like, point. And that's like a de- – it's a battle now. And it's like, well, you have the best receiver in football and another top ten receiver in football, <laughs> and this is your third guy. And I mean, Eric Gilbert's – let's be honest, Eric Gilbert's not the receiver. So yeah, it's really your fourth receiver. I mean, and then how like how nice for Linehan, as we talked about when he was hired. Like when you're coaching on the NFL, you're used to coaching at either an even talent playing field or a yeah. little underneath. Maybe you're slightly better, but you're not going to have any great advantages. He's now going to get to coach guys and have pieces that a lot of times are just going to be markedly better yeah. than the people that are lining up across from him. So let's see That's what true. he can do with it. Name to watch. Name to watch. Uh, Cole Taylor, especially. I know. This yeah, you brought it up a few weeks ago. Yeah, because yeah. Eric Gilbert's out with the shoulder surgery. Yeah. there's reps to be had there. Uh, besides Cole Taylor, and, and for those who don't know, he's a big six-seven freshman, early enrollee, tight end from Colorado, gangly. But they, but they like him. They like him a lot of athleticism. And like I said, you can't. You know what they say, brother? You can't teach height. Uh, and he's six-seven, and uh, so that's really good. No, yeah, I remember John DeCosta was really high on him. R.I.P. Um, yeah. Well, he didn't die. He you know, signed somewhere else. What about? Um, are there any other tight ends? Because TVK McClendon, who we'll get to, switched. Yes. Yeah, so there's Jamal Pettigrew. Jamal Pettigrew, okay. but he's somebody who I mean, he's on year five and he's only caught like two passes. So yeah. You kind of just wonder. Well, I'm just him. no. I'm just thinking literally. In literally, terms of, like, depth, spring reps. It's like Jamal Pettigrew, Aaron Moffat. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 Uh, who I love because I love Coach Moffat. He is the man, the myth. The yeah. I just don't know if he really likes the weight room. You know. Yeah. Hey, Coach Moffat. Never left to go be an on-field coach. Freaking Cochran. Couldn't handle the heat. What a bum. Is that a real take? Um. Oh, please. Let's go. Give me your unfiltered thought. Don't think about <laughs> this. You're debating right now. You're like, should I say, no, I want your real. This is a, this is a podcast. Uh, Yeah, I think Cochran's a soft little bit-stealing. Uh, ooh, okay, I'm going to try not to curse so much. I think he's a little punk who stole all of Moffitt's bits. And then got his like Regents commercial and all this other stuff, and then he 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 bailed for whatever though. I mean, I guess he wants to be an on the field coach. I was, but. No, the Moffat stuff—that's its own thing. I'm not too privy on, but like 
can't blame him for wanting to not be a strength coach anymore. No, I, I know. I guess it's, just, it, it's weird to me though because if like if you have an avenue to be a coach and that's what you want to do with your life. Then no, I wonder though how much value George is getting out of this because like Cochran's value is as a strength coach. Now maybe he ends up being a great special teams yeah. coach, but he. But 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 even the best special teams coach cannot have near the impact on a football program as much as a strength coach can. Yeah. Like uh, especially in the college level, I don't know if people always grasp it. You don't get to see your coaches. You almost never see your coaches during the year. You see them during spring. You are with that strength coach every That's single true. day. Every single day, you see that guy. You see your strength coach more than any other coach in your college life. And so that's why great strength coaches more and more. That's why a coach always has, like a head coach always has a strength coach kind of tied to his hip that they'll bring with him a lot of times. You'll see that with great coaches. Yeah. And then uh, that's that's also why players a lot of times I think are so obsessed with their strength coaches when they leave. And I've always said I think that Tommy Monfit is the X factor behind LSU's success, like in, in terms of sending people to the NFL. Yeah. But, but the overall success as well. But like Even when LSU wasn't winning as many games, the no. athletes were still freaky. Yeah. And and it's not like they just had the number one recruiting class every year. No, I mean, they, you know, they're up there, but they're still sending more guys to the league, maybe than anybody but Bama, with class of BFCS, yes, whatever. Tangent, Scott Cochran, <laughs> no, screw th- you. I hope you fail I terribly. I think that's what makes it so fascinating, though, is yes. that – well, I, I and Bruce Feldman, Andy Staples have done a lot of good writing on this topic, but it's like we're going to find out if he can recruit. And based on the things that people talk about, he's so good at. In oh, I strength, think he recruit. That's the thing because the, the thing everyone gives him credit for at Alabama is that he was like the guy who like managed the players and yes. all that. So you see if he can do that. And then what they were saying is special teams coach is pretty much the only assistant on the team that is actually addressing the whole team. That's fair. So it's like it's actually the best prep for being a head coach, and you'll actually get not as much, but a percentage of that like team culture stuff that you're saying that a strength coach has that a coach doesn't. I'm just interested. I'm not saying one thing or the other. No, it's fair points. And, and, and it's time that I think Cogger will be a bad special teams coach because uh, – Who knows? Maybe, yeah, we, we don't know. But I guess – I understand your point. Yeah, it's just that he uh, it's just that he can't have the impact at Georgia that he had at Alabama, which is why I found that move from the Georgia perspective um, kind of fascinating. Well, I mean, whatever. They, they would love to take him from Nick, and they, they, they did love it. I have a feeling it's going to be as simple as if he can prove in like a year or two that he can recruit, I think he gets a head coach job fast. Whoa, like, really? Because I think everybody doesn't might not be a great job, but I'm saying like yeah, in the I CEO think CEO era. I, I think, yeah, exactly. Like look, Ed Ogeron just won a title. Like yeah, I think people are just going to be waiting and seeing on this. Everybody knows how important he was at Alabama, according to most people. And I think people are going to see like if he can just prove he can do that one last thing. Yeah. I feel like he'll probably do it fast. So what does he do about the Regents Bank commercials, though? I mean, if you're yeah. Regents, do you keep him? you got to imagine the agent loops that in. Is it a him and Saban <laughs> deal? Is it going to be awkward now where all of a sudden uh, Kirby Smart's showing up in the Regents commercials? Is Saban out? Uh, Chick- a real chicken or the egg thing. Yeah. 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 Um, so there's your uh, Scott Cochran moment. Uh, I, I enjoyed that. I haven't talked about it in a while, but I've been, you know, I, I'm always down to shit on Cochran. Um, defensively, we haven't talked much defense. I think the D line's gonna be great. Yeah, and I thought it, it kind of confirmed what we were thinking. What O said in your show today, we we both were predicting that TK McClendon. Yes, you were actually kind of ahead of that. And um, the most I didn't people predicting anything. Somebody told me like a good no. Source, I'm saying yes. you you had that yeah. information before pretty much anyone well, I know. You know. Journalism. So hashtag, hashtag capital J. Yeah. Um, but you he's one of the DNs and the other one, which is kind of what we predicted. But Justin Thomas. I was curious. They love Justin Thomas. I, I mean, always he, lose, I, he. I always lose him in my brain. He well, what I, I always up. pointed out, and I've said this on the show a few times, is that he was in their cheetah package last year, which is one D lineman. Mm-hmm. Before he got suspended, and taken off the team, he was the lone pass rushing defensive lineman in that cheetah package. Yeah, they considered him the best pass rushing down defensive lineman in the three four. So that tells you something, and I think he probably. I don't know how complete he is, all that stuff, but it was interesting because you and I were debating: does one because between the Logan and Farrell combination. Did, would one of them have stayed on the outside? Yeah. Would one like would one be an end? One be a D three technique D tackle? Do both go tackle? O kind of suggested on your show today. This is Tuesday, by the way. That both are probably going to go inside. So that means I, I see Thomas work on the outside. I'm Damn. just fascinated to see from a numbers perspective how do you balance all the D tackles they have. Also, what? Yes, exactly. Right with Killary <laughs> and everybody else, and we we're already talking about maybe seeing Shelvin and Ica yeah. on the field at the same time. So then that drives Farrell and Logan into an even more awkward spot. Or 
So, but but these are these are good problems to have. You want to have, uh, from a program building standpoint, you want to be like, oh man, I have too many good players, especially on the D line, where you can rotate those guys in, and then by the fourth quarter, you're still rolling. That's true. Um, Andre Anthony, yeah, he was really high on it. I know it's become a bit of a joke where like, <laughs> you know, you keep hearing about Andre Anthony through the years, but the four three. Uh, it's a real argument he made about because that's a position that it affects more than anybody is the guy who goes from standing up on the outside, being asked to cover passes, being asked to do a lot of these other things, to all of a sudden now your hand in the dirt, a much more traditional defensive lineman type role. I see it working just because, and I don't know how well there's a scale to it all, but I assume he'll be in the rotation because coming out of high school, he was a pretty big prospect. Yeah. And he was. And his a, body looks incredible. Yeah. And he was like a traditional pass rushing edge, like the end. For defense, he's an outside linebacker, and then you know, Randa asked those guys to do a lot. And I think, like, if you go back to 2018 when Chase was out, Auburn game stands out. There were stretches where they really asked Anthony, like, get after the pass rush, get after the quarterback, get him more playing time. And he did solid, yeah. And I think he was a solid, just pure pass rusher. It's the other stuff, the run, the run stuffing, the, the dropping into coverage. That's what's and now he doesn't have to do as much, of that. exactly. So I don't think I'd predict him to be a starter or anything like that, but I definitely think he'll be in the mix there because that's what he's good at. Yeah, so we talked to you live. We talked about linebacker. Uh, secondary. We didn't maybe. throw in Ray Anthony with linebacker, which I bet he'll be in the mix there. Uh, so he's not – Ray Anthony's I, not going to D-line. He's going to linebacker. I would guess just about his body Wait, type. The Andre Anthony, Ray Thornton. You meant Ray Thornton. We said Ray Anthony, which is a self-fulfilling I did that prophecy. two weeks ago, too, actually. I mean, it's because they're always mentioned as a tag team. Ray Thornton. I bet he goes linebacker. It's yeah. like a Harlem Heat breaking up or something. Or like Ray was to – well, you know, Booker T. Washington and Steve, uh, Stevie Ray back in the day. Is that oh, who yeah. it was? I don't know, Wrestling? Yeah. I'm not oh, doctor, okay. Yeah. My bad. Um, but yeah, this is like a legendary combo breaking up. All of a sudden, if they're in two different position groups, I'm gonna like see. I, I see them in my mind's eye, like forlornly looking through the wall, through the wall, and then the other one, like no. I wonder if in real life they even like each other. <laughs> it's the end of. Uh, oh, I don't even know the title movie, so my joke's ruined. Oof, oof, big That's oof, rough. Do you want to give me like a do you want What's to the Ryan Gosling uh, space movie? When he's Neil Armstrong? Uh, first Man. Oh, I didn't see it. Oh, well, then it's ruined double. Oof, the geez. end of First Man. Anyway, if you've seen it, you get the reference, but yeah. Staring through a glass sick wall. Sick reference, bro. Dude, nailed it. Sick. You have Let's the sickest get, references. Dude. <laughs> now that is a funny movie. The End of the World. Oh, and, yeah. No one talks about that anymore. And nobody talks about it's it. It's gotten like lost in history. It is a top five funny movie of all time. I laughed. As, like That was as much of like a movie-going experience as I can remember. Yeah. It was everything I loved, and then just went away. <laughs> is there stuff that's incorrect about it? Like, I, like, I don't know. No, I don't think. I, I, I just think it got, it, even at the time, it didn't make huge waves. It just like, for some reason, I don't know. For me, yes, I'm with you. For me, I died live beginning, and specifically that Jonah Hill part. And Jonah Hill's whole sick reference. Jonah Hill, like. Uh, Everybody was playing parody. an exaggerated yes, version yes, of themselves. Yes. Yeah. Like, he's like so nice, <laughs> but so kind of douchey and annoying. Uh, I love that they made Jay Burichel kind of like the main character when you got like. James Franco, Jonah Hill, Seth they Rogen. They made Michael Sarah the worst person of all of them. <laughs> Stuff like that. Or D- Danny McBride stole that movie. Yeah, man. Danny McBride was on a heater for a few years there. Uh, that was the height of that era, man. All right, where's, where's, where's old uh, Danny at nowadays? Well, he's got uh, Righteous Gemstones. Oh, Righteous Gemstones. That's right. He's, he's, he's people, working. People love he Righteous writes that Gemstones. show. That's yeah. him. He's okay. Um Because Vice Principals didn't really hit. I tried a couple episodes of Vice Principals. He, yeah, he wrote that too. Uh... You ever see Your Highness? It's not like one of the biggest bombs ever. Yeah, they dude. literally make fun of Your Highness in End of the uh, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> whatever, End of the World. Or... Wait, do they? Uh, well, even if they don't, whatever. They, I, they do the thing where they make a Pineapple Express parody. Pineapple Express Two uh, was sequel. Awesome. Yeah, and then and then like someone makes a joke of like, ah, we should do Your Highness too, and they're like, ah, <laughs> dude, I thought it was awesome. Are you being guess, serious? Yeah, man. I just... What year was that? Was that the height of your? No, it's just it's built for me because it's like stupid. It, no, it's like I mean experimenting. No, I'm still it's just stupid weed jokes and I never know fantasy. how much I'm allowed to just admit that on the show. Yeah, I feel like it's 2020, bro. I feel like we're all good. But I didn't want to be the guy who threw. No, you're the right. Bus. You're right. Yeah. I have to walk through that door myself. Yeah. But yes, it's a lot of the things that I enjoy rolled into this stupid movie. Uh, like so you, I enjoyed it. Yeah, like me and my drinking problem. Like we all have our thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? Yours is a little more serious and not, you know, for. Social uh, situations, but sure, yeah. And yeah. you've been very embarrassed multiple times and ruined relationships, both close and you know, fa- friends and family. But sure, yeah, it's like yeah, same toxic thing. one may call it. Yeah. yeah, it's like same thing. Um, yeah. All right, last position group to talk about as we head into the spring game, secondary. 
Uh, replacing Grant Delpit, Jacoby Stevens. Well, that's a weird position, right? Yeah, because yes, like, fe- that's actually the position that has maybe more depth than anything, but no sure things. What does the secondary even look like now in this four also three? True. Do you run more nickel? Do you run a more traditional four three? Like I don't even I don't know, know. Like three safety? Do they try to get three safeties on the field somehow? Um, I don't know. Yeah, so I guess we can't. That, that's why spring is so exciting because we'll get. Let's the just first... assume it's the nickel and the two safeties. Yeah. And it's just weird because, yeah, like I said, so much depth there. You have, like, six guys who are like, that, that guy's in the running. But no yeah. sure things. Like, is Stevens truly? Okay, so our sure things are. You know Stevens is going to see the field. Yes, Stevens will but be I, a starter. But is he a true safety? Who knows? But let's just say he'll be a safety. He'll be a safety or a nickel starter. Yeah. Like, something like that. By the uh, way, both our arms are weirdly raised in the air right yeah, now. Just for I'm you going listening higher out. than We're you. both counting with our fingers. You're taller. Um, uh, Derek Stingley, sure thing. Oh, corner, yes. Yes. Uh, the other corner, I go Cordell Flott. Yeah. But yeah. I think Elias Ricks is probably going to compete. Jay Ward is probably going to compete. Nickel? Kerry Vincent's probably your nickel. Okay. Unless maybe he tries to compete There's outside. Elias Ricks. That's what I said. I think he's in the running. Okay. I would. I just think he has like some maturing to do physically. I think he needs to gain weight. Yeah. I bet he's firmly in the running, but I think Cordell Flott probably is an edge. Well, they love Flott. Yeah. Flott's really good. Like, don't be, don't get it twisted. <laughs> Flott, they think Flott can cover actually like just as well as Stingley. Yeah. Um, and then so I guess that leaves... Another safety position is it tolls. That's the thing. So, oh wait, no, no, you got uh, you got Todd Harris. Really weird. You got that's what I'm saying. You have Todd Harris. He's you're, he was a starter last year, Derek but coming off a yeah, sorry. sorry. So you have yeah, Todd Harris coming off a torn ACL. So that's mm-hmm. his question mark. Eric Monroe, talented guy, veteran, but it's just never been healthy enough to see the field consistently. Then you got Marcel Brooks. What position is he? I asked him in December, and he flat out said, "I'm I'm going to play safety next year." But I don't know Shit. how much growth does he do. Yeah. But, do you have enough room for everyone? Mo Hampton was a key piece Damn. down the stretch. Forgot about Maurice Hampton. But you know where does is he? Where is he on the totem pole? And then there's Jordan Tolles, who's another one. When you when you ask people on the staff, like who's a freshman to really watch, Tolles comes I up. Love him fast. I everyone love him. loves him. But again, he's probably fifth on the totem pole. So like I said, you have a weird thing where you have like five safeties you actually feel confident in, but no sure thing. Yeah, it's just weird. This is all to point out, y'all, that uh, football's back. Spring ball is this Saturday. Who's your breakout star of spring? Go. Um, oh, I thought I said <laughs> earlier. Uh, 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 why am I panicking so badly? Right. <sighs> McClendon's my pick, but I figured that might be yours. No, no, that wasn't. That's a great pick. McClendon and Josh White are my two picks. wow I've never failed. Is it so a D line? my life. Is no, it just, I mean, Chase I Hines. Racy McMath. I'm no. just trying to help you out. Well, like you're never gonna get Cole you're never, Taylor. Well, you're never gonna get an O lineman be the breakout star. Good call. Spring, good call. Right. So like I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going there. Flat. I don't know. Cole Taylor's Miles interesting. Um. Yeah. I mean, but again, you know, I don't. So know. I, don't I don't remember you ever picking one. No, I know. I, I guess I, I. I haven't. So who's your pick? My pick would be whoever wins that third receiver job. Okay. Whoever becomes that fifth horseman. So kind of a Racy cop out, sure. <laughs> Definite cop Hey, out. one of these four guys. No, but, but like, that's the, the, okay, so I'm openly admitting that I don't have a great basis for knowing who's going to win that battle, but I think that whoever emerges there, that's that's you. So that that'll be fair. my breakout start. Thanks for asking me a shitty fucking question. Right? That was a really good question. Um, yeah, so spring ball, though, football's back. I love it. We're going to get some insight into Pelini. We'll get some insight into office to get our first eyes on Brennan. That's going to be the big thing. Yeah, see how those running backs work out. And, uh, and we this is up on a Tuesday. We'll talk to Ed on tomorrow morning as well at a press conference. Yeah. I think there's like three things I'm going to ask him for, like, that we want, really want to know first. I think I'm going to know more about McClendon. Okay. I want to know where do you see Mar- Marcel Brooks playing. Yeah, love that. And I think I, <laughs> I, think I just want him to kind of handicap that receiver battle. Like yeah, I, I think yes, yes. McMath, I would say, is in the lead, and then we'll see where it goes from there. Those are great questions, though. You should ask that. Yeah. Oh, also, right, who do you think you are? Uh, a better journalist than you. I was going to ask you that. Oh, whew. my bad. Uh, I took that uh, personal direction. I apologize. Tell you're out of the cage again. Um, good LSU reference. Sick reference, bro. I told you. You got the sickest references, dude. You got to dap me up now. All right. Everybody have a great day. See, hold that podcast podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. We are back weekly next week. So this is a lot of uh, theory crafting. We'll actually have some football to chew into. I know. It'll be nice. Next week. A little bit. A little Not bit. a lot. Not a lot, but we'll get a little, get a little. Dollop will do you. Get a little crumbs from the spring football table, if you will. Um, so and hopefully we're on the athletic soon. So that's what we say, and then I guess that's just kind of a point of order thing. Uh, 
we th- I will be as good at pushing where to find us when we make that move as I well, was. The, the answer as should be not everywhere. Pushing us being yeah. off last week. The beauty of when that happens is all of the stuff is going to be kind of out of our hands. Yeah. Which means people who actually do this for a living will yes. be putting it on Spotify and Apple like and Stitcher, all these things. All that stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. So like it will be easier to find with this move instead of just on the, one of our on the athletic app. If you want to listen then, there, yeah. And then on uh, and then on Apple. Finally, I like I like, I like the idea of like say this podcast gets successful in the next few years and we do pretty well. I like I want to look like like maybe like a documentary looking back at that first year. You know. Like, yeah. I remember we were just on. 104.5 website. Oh, wow. That seems a little... Those are the days. That seems a little demeaning to uh, to my uh, to, to my job. You're making my job seem very quaint and small compared to your multi-hundred million dollar company. Okay, Brody, my no, bad, No, we just man. did a terrible... We did a terrible job of showing any My bad. <laughs> uh, okay, so go to athletic.com, subscribe, go buy your meats at A-Bear Specialty Meats over there in Bocage specifically, and uh, we will see you next week. On the Hold That Podcast podcast, and if you like it, review it and share it with your friends. We love you. Good day, sir. Weird way to end it.